Hey there, I'm Lindsay, and welcome to Lean Soapbox, where I discuss all things Marvel, everything from film, Disney Plus show releases, comics, and more. Make sure to give the podcast a follow, and I hope you enjoy. For today's episode, I'm going to be covering Secret Invasion Episode 1, as well as the Craven the Hunter trailer that Sony recently dropped. But before I get into all of that good stuff, I wanted to mention this is actually my first official episode. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And we're going to see how this goes, okay? Leave a review, leave a comment. It's okay. I'll take criticism. So anyway, okay, Odyssey, let's get right into it. I'm going to start with the Craven the Hunter trailer to get that out of the way. First of all, I remember when it was first announced back in 2019, 2020, that Aaron Taylor Johnson was playing Craven in this film. I was excited. I was like, okay, he had a short run in the MCU. Like, Let's see what he can bring here, what he can bring to this character. I was curious because I thought the role really suited him. And so fast forward to June 19th, 2023, we officially got the trailer and poster. I think it was right after, I think either part of the trailer leaked or the whole trailer leaked or something like that. And then Sony just officially released it. That's why we have it. But Kramer the Hunter releases October 6, 2023, right before or during the Halloween season. And I was thinking it's going to be really cool to see all the cosplay because Craven has a cool costume. And if you can like execute that in real life, it's going to look so cool. I'm so excited. And Craven the Hunter is going to be Sony's first R-rated Marvel film. So I'm super happy about that because we wanted Venom to be an R-rated film. We wanted Morbius to be an R-rated film and we didn't get that. So now that this one is R-rated, maybe there's a possibility that Venom 3 could be R-rated as well. And now let's talk about the poster, Okay. I absolutely love the poster. Nothing brings me more joy than comic accuracy. And the comic accuracy with this poster is insane. Like I've seen edits uh, on Instagram where it's like it has the comic art and then it has the film poster. And it's just the similarities, the parallels. I love it so much. Like if you were to show me this poster and nothing else, I would be like, absolutely, this movie is going to be insane. And regarding the actual trailer, it was interesting because it started playing and I was like, why is this man in the city? I was like, I would have expected him to be like in the jungle, you know, hunting. But obviously Sony is taking a different approach to the Craven the Hunter character. And so to me, it just didn't feel like a Craven the Hunter trailer for a Craven the Hunter film. So maybe this film could be good. But again, because I have that expectation of like, this is what the Craven the Hunter character I know is like, it's going to dictate the way I feel about the film overall. And in the film, it is clear that his dad has a very toxic idea about strength and power, which makes us feel sympathetic for the Craven character. So you can already see that like anti-hero story that is very similar to like what they did with Venom and Morbius. Also, he obtained his powers through blood, like the lion's blood landed in his cut. So that's going to be interesting to see because in the comics, he gets his powers through like herbal potions, which I mean, both of them, how realistic are they? But you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Also, he didn't have his accent, which was interesting. I would have loved to see him with the accent. His dad had the accent, but he didn't have the accent. Regardless, though, I'm still going to be there opening night because I am excited no matter what. And also, wait, I, I just realized I literally forgot to mention Rhino. Rhino was in the trailer, like without a mechanical suit. That is interesting. And, like, and Chameleon. And Chameleon. So we have Craven, Chameleon, and Rhino all in the same film. Crazy, right? But going back to Chameleon and Craven being brothers, technically in the comics, they are half brothers. And in the film or in the trailer, you can see that he has a brother and the actor is credited as Dimitri and Dimitri is Chameleon's real name. So hence, Chameleon is in the trailer. Also, I know this is off topic, but I collect Marvel Legend figures and a couple months ago, I think in March, 
I pre-ordered the Marvel Legends Craven the Hunter Walmart exclusive figure and I just got the notification that it's on its way and I'm so excited. Like literally perfect timing. Okay but now moving on to Secret Invasion episode one Resurrection. It is the first episode of six and Secret Invasion is the first Marvel Disney Plus show of phase five. The last time we had a Marvel Disney Plus show was back in August through October with She-Hulk. So it's been quite a while and honestly I'm not mad about the gap in between Secret Invasion and She-Hulk. I feel like there was a point where we were were just getting a bunch of content and it's nice to have that break, you know? Something that is interesting that I read, well first of all, if you don't know, Secret Invasion is the title of a comic book series event that happened in Marvel Comics and since, you know, this series is taking the name of that, I was like, well, most of us are like, okay, so is there going to be similarities between this and the comic event? But interesting enough, I read that the director was told basically to not read the comics. Like it had nothing to do with what they were trying to do with the show. I mean, obviously there's going to end up being similarities in between both of them, but it both of them take a, a very different approach to the Secret Invasion storyline. In the comics, it involves a lot of the Marvel heroes. However, in the series, it's a nar- it's been narrowed down to a story regarding Fury and the Skrulls, so it's a more personal story. I would have loved to see a direct adaptation of the comic event, obviously, but we don't live in a perfect world, and I completely understand like why they would take this direction. Moving on to the actual episode, I'm going to try to go chronologically as I talk about it. Starting off, with the beginning, the voiceover of Agent Prescott, I thought it was a very powerful way to set the tone of not only the episode, but the overall show. Prescott explains his theory to Ross, and Ross is kind of like brushing it off like, okay, dude. And suddenly there's a change in attitude. Ross is like, okay, I'm gonna take you to Fury, see what we can do. And I'm guessing it's that sudden shift in attitude that makes Prescott realize this dude is a scroll. I've been talking to a scroll the entire time. After that, we have the Ross and the Talos chase, and then we have Scroll Ross who ends up dying because he missed, he tried to jump from one building to another, which reminded me of like Tobey Maguire when he falls and he's like, oh, my back. Um, That was funny. But anyway, so this reveal sets the stage for the question of like, who else has been a scroll? You know, I don't think Ross has been a scroll the entire time, only fairly recently, but still it's like, out of all the people that we know from the MCU, like who else can be a scroll or is a scroll? After that scene, we have Nick Fury arriving back on Earth, and I love how that shot made him made his silhouette look like an alien. I thought that was really creative. And then as he's getting off of the ship, he's like grabbing his knee, struggling to walk, which I like how without even verbalizing it before anything, before anyone says anything, it already is portraying that idea of like he's older and he's not like he used to be, which are two things that are repeated a lot throughout the episode. From there, we are reunited with Hill, which we haven't seen her, I believe, since Far From Home. So I was very excited to see her, you know, I mean, that takes a turn at the end of the episode, but we're not about to talk about that yet, okay? Also, he reunites with Talos at the safe house. I love the whole scroll greeting that that they did because they've been friends for like 30 years and seeing Fury in like that vulnerable type of way with someone is something we don't see often. So that was really refreshing to see. From there, Talos gets straight to the point. He's like, dude, you weren't the same after the blip. He talks about Gravik, how the scrolls are upset that the promise of a new home was not lived up to. And it's completely valid because I mean, they've been helping Fury for a while and yet they've received nothing in return even the very thing they were promised. Then we get the scene of Rhodey and the president and that's interesting because I'm like, is Rhodey a scroll? Like, I feel like he could be one of those potential candidates of like, yeah, he's been a scroll. And also, I love how when they were going up the stairs, we saw presidents on the wall and I'm like, 
which of those past presidents were scrolls? Like, there there has to be at least one, I know. And then we have Fury on his walk, which all the individuals he sees are the individuals we see again at the end of the episode. So I really like that callback. And then when he gets captured and we meet Olivia Coleman's character, Sonya, I adored her. I adored her. I'm so excited to see more of her. She was so entertaining and fun. And she's roasting Fury like everyone else, telling him the blip changed you. You're old. I don't think you can handle this stuff anymore. But he does end up planning a camera there. So you know what? He's still got it in him. He's he's still got it in him. After that, we meet Amelia Clark's character, who is Gaia, the daughter of Talos, and we are introduced to New Scrollos, which is where the scrolls are staying. I really like that line that they are using home in my own skin. I think it is very powerful and it properly portrays what the scrolls desire and their ultimate goal is. As we learn more about new scrollos, we find out how exactly the scrolls are doing these transformations. They're using technology that is very similar to that that they used on Carol Danvers in Captain Marvel. This technology allows for a more profound transformation. It takes humans' minds and it keeps them in a deep sleep. Also, no way I was going to do this episode and not mention the midlife crisis joke of Nick Fury. Iconic. Also, I love how Nick Fury is always like munching on something. In one of the scenes, he was like, I don't know what it was, but it looked like it had like powdered sugar. I want to say a beignet because like Disneyland beignets, but I don't know. I thought it was funny. Then we have the dealer scene where Talos gets upset with Fury after he shot the scroll. And it's a very crucial moment because it helps us take a deeper look into Talos' current state. He's in a conflict, the struggle between his people versus what he believes is right. And this is further shown when we have the Talos versus Gaia scene where Gaia tells him, it's what you always say, but there's always another. And it really reflects, again, this conflict that Talos has between his people and what he believes is right. Moving on to the bar scene with Fury and Hill, I found the scene interesting because even Maria admits that she isn't sure about Fury's potential, she does not believe he is ready, and again repeats that he was not the same after the blip. And finally, at the end, it seems that Gaia has teamed up with Team Fury. She says there's going to be three bags, she'll cover them in infrared spray, however, as the scene is playing out, Team Fury misses a pass. The three bags, they end up being decoys. We realize one to distract Fury, one to distract Hill, and one to distract Talos. And then we see the little girl from the beginning of the episode. Fury begins to follow her, and as he follows her, she begins to transition. The shape-shifting, by the way, was so smooth in that scene, it was so satisfying, and by the end of it, we realize it was Gravik. From there, it is clear that Gravik has been following Fury all along throughout this episode, which, I mean, not really a surprise. And after Gravik sets all the bombs off amidst the chaos, Gravik, disguised as Nick Fury, shoots Maria Hill, and she dies. We wait, there's no transformation, she doesn't transform back to a scroll. So it's like, the real Maria Hill is now gone. And I'm gonna be honest, I I'm one of those people that is sad because I'm like, wasted potential. I don't know where else you could have used Maria Hill in the past. I don't know where in the future, but I just, I would have loved to see more of her. She's been there since the beginning. Like, I used to look up to her when I was little. I thought she was so cool. And it's just the fridging part that gets me because it's always the girlies that go down like this. It's so unfortunate, but... I understand why they did it, you know, in order to push the story forward. And this is probably not the last time we will see Maria Hill. Maybe we'll see her later in this episode in a flashback or even in the Marvels. So, you know, there's still hope. There is still hope. But overall, I enjoyed the flow of the episode. I liked the slow build, the mature and the Winter Soldier feel. I think it opened up perfectly to set the stage for the rest of the show. 
And I'm just very excited to see and learn more about Nick Fury, about his character, about the development he's going to undergo throughout the uh, the course of this show. Because he's been a very closed off character since the beginning or throughout the course of the MCU. But he's a very interesting character and enjoyable character. And I'm so glad we are getting more time with him and just the chance to learn more, okay? So I'm just, I'm, I'm very ready for episode two. And yeah, that's it for today's episode of Lean Soapbox. I hope you enjoyed. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on the episode. Leave a comment or a review and be sure to follow the podcast and my other socials at Lean Soapbox to stay in touch. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to catch you next time. Bye! Also, my Marvel Legends figure did get here. I'm gonna go open it right now. Okay, bye!